Welcome to the Canned Heat Podcast. Hello, Internet Wrestling Community. As my wife told you there on the intro, this is the Canned Heat Podcast. As always, I am your host, the freshly squeezed Orange Zackety, and I would like to personally welcome you to episode number 10, Double Digits. That's a big mark for me. I wasn't sure when I set out on this podcast how long it would last, you know, if it would be received well, uh, anything like that. And I'm, I'm really happy to still be doing this. Um, Ten weeks in, I'm having as much fun as I ever had. Uh, ideas are constantly coming to my head on how to improve this thing, and I'm constantly getting great feedback from you guys, the audience. Again, if you want to call in, it's 513-580-7273. You want to talk shit, talk shop, give feedback. That line is always open for you guys. On Twitter, it's Canned Heat Pod. Instagram's Canned Heat Podcast, and as always, if you want to find that in a nice, neat bow wrapped up for you, you can check it out at CannedHeatPodcast.com, where you'll find the three most recent episodes and links to the social medias and Apple and Spotify, where you can find this podcast. If you are listening to it on an Apple device, please give me a five-star rating, smash that subscribe button, unsubscribe, resubscribe, re-rate, re-review, everything helps. Those um, algorithms that they use to determine when the podcasts show up on your search uh, all gets factored in with stuff like that. So all the help that you can give me, again, is much appreciated. It's a big week in wrestling this week, folks, with our regularly scheduled programming with Raw, Impact, Dynamite, NXT, and SmackDown. And of course, we have the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view on Sunday to go over. I'm going to be having my special guest pay-per-view correspondent, V.A. Bennett, back on for another week to discuss the WWE pay-per-view. So we've got a lot to get into, guys, so let's just get right down to it. As always, folks, we pick up with the action right where we left off on Monday Night Raw from February 15th. Uh, it was the go-home Raw before Elimination Chamber, but there actually was some substance here. We crowned a new 24-7 champion and Bad Bunny. That was a, a fun little segment there. You know, Damian Priest still getting the Bad Bunny rub, which is great. But it's not, you know, he needs to start getting more like in-ring wrestling rub from uh, experienced performers. So uh, I'm happy to see Damian Priest is on the main roster. Uh, I'm a little bit worrisome, or it's a little bit worrisome that he's not, you know, wrestling on a weekly basis here. Vince McMahon doesn't have the greatest track record of, you know, getting NXT talent gift wrapped to him uh, and being able to keep that ascension to stardom uh, in place. You know, he typically uh, is failing with those things. Um, but in any case, you know, Bad Bunny becoming the 24-7 champion, bringing it on SNL this week, which we'll see pre, um, pre-elimination chamber. So we'll see if the title changes hands on SNL. Uh, in other news, we fa- uh, actually had a great opening segment with Miz TV. I loved this opening segment. Um, he came out and effectively, you know, called out Drew McIntyre, you know, kept talking, talking, talking before Drew told him to shut up. Um, you know, he headbutted him and he kind of exited the ring. And we, th- I actually thought that was going to be the end of the segment and say like, oh, same old Miz TV, blah, 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 blah. But afterward, he gets on the mic and cuts an amazing promo about, 
you know, how many different variables and possible outcomes there are in the elimination chamber. He discusses, you know, Drew potentially losing it, not having to be involved in the finish. And also, of course, reminds us that he is the Money in the Bank briefcase holder. And he does all of this before withdrawing himself from the elimination chamber, thus setting up in all likelihood a scenario in which the eventual winner of the elimination chamber, which, you know, my prediction is Drew McIntyre retains, um, you know, that Miz will be waiting after that hellacious match to cash in his money in the bank briefcase to capture the WWE championship. Whether he's actually able to capture it or not remains to be seen. I would say um, the odds are on his side. The statistics show that most money in the bank winners, the large majority, uh, do come on to become the champion. So we'll see how that one plays out. Um, We saw the continuation of the Charlotte Flair, Lacey Evans feud with Ric Flair. And we get a bombshell dropped on us that Lacey Evans is pregnant. Now, I do believe that she is pregnant in real life, but they're kind of playing it off as this is, uh, you know, Rick's baby. You know, he said pretty much you could call me daddy, much to the ire of Charlotte Flair, of course. It was kind of a a weird moment. Um, He's kind of dancing up the uh, ramp with her saying that kind of stuff. I. Obviously, this is just meant to piss Charlotte Flair off. Um, We all know Lacey Evans in real life is married with kids, and I'm sure that this child will share the same father as her previous children. Um, But uh, fun storyline. But, you know, it just goes to show you that WWE has no shame with any storyline like this. Uh, Kofi Kingston is able to weasel his way. I shouldn't even say weasel. Earn his way. Kofi Kingston is able to earn his way into the elimination chamber again um you know we saw of course before kofi mania replacing ali at the uh at that elimination chamber for that year and you know pre his meteoric rise to the eventual uh you know wrestlemania moment in which he defeated daniel bryan for the title so he's able to earn his way back into the match by defeating the miz in a one-on-one match where if the miz would have won uh john morrison would have been that last entrant um speaking of uh, speaking of the Elimination Chamber, we had a gauntlet match to determine who would be the final entrant into the Elimination Chamber. I understand the stakes here, but the thing that really bothers me about this is you're not just exposing who the last person is, you're also exposing who the second to last person is. And I think that surprise is always a great thing when it comes to wrestling. Uh, and this is no different. So you know who the last person is. You got two people left in a pod. You know who the second to last person is as well. So it kind of takes a little bit of the air out of that surprise uh, fun, if you will. But, uh, you know, I understand the stakes in the end. We had, uh, you know, AJ styles taking out Kofi to start the match. Drew eliminates AJ styles and Jeff Hardy. Randy Orton's counted out. They kind of continued his storyline with the feud and Alexa bliss here. Um, earlier in the night, Alexa cut an awesome promo in which she's at the center of a pentagram, um, and talking about, you know, essentially making a bunch of allusions to the fiend rising again and that he's rising from the dead and that he will be back. So it was a little bit creepier early on in the night, right at the end of a Randy Orton promo when he was saying RKO, he gets uh, uh, interrupted on the O for that Alexa bliss uh, promo. So it was a really cool promo. I thought she did a great job. Um, Very edgy of uh, WWE to have satanic imagery on their screens. I did not ever expect to see that. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. I actually, I like all stories lines you know we're supposed to be able to suspend disbelief and like you know that's this is a really cool thing so uh, i'm happy with that i i think uh you know not having limits on things like that you know makes the product more enjoyable and kind of opens up more possibilities but in any case she 
distracts Randy Orton by projecting, uh, you know, millions of images of her face all over the WWE Thunderdome and on the um, on all the screens. So it's just a bunch of Alexa Blisses with uh, some weird music playing. It distracts Randy Orton. He gets counted out. And then for his troubles, when he tries to get back in the ring, eats another Claymore kick from Drew McIntyre. But in the end, Sheamus, the last person in the gauntlet match, takes out Drew McIntyre in less than seven minutes. So Sheamus, uh, continuing his feud with Drew McIntyre, is now the last entrant into the Elimination Chamber for the WWE Championship this Sunday, thus giving him the advantage, you would think. Um, I don't believe they're going to be pulling the belt off of Drew uh, before WrestleMania by any means. I mean, he captured the title at WrestleMania. They very clearly think he is a large, you know, can be household name, is a household name, and can be a star for this company for years to come. Um, I, You know, to me, again, I just like the guy much better as a heel. You know, heel is the new face, in my opinion. Heels are way more likable than faces. I understand with, you know, Make-A-Wish and everything else that WWE does. You know, they really carry a PG product that's catered to a younger uh, viewing viewing um, age, if you will, than uh, AEW or any other other counterparts might be doing. But, um, you know, there's still room to tell good heel storylines here, and Drew McIntyre just works better as a heel. So we'll see what that ends up bringing. Uh, we still don't know who Edge is going to be challenging. He said he'll be making that announcement after Elimination Chamber, so no update here on that. Uh, but that does it for an action-packed Monday Night Raw, which was actually a decent go-home show. Freshly squeezed. And, of course, that brings us to Tuesday night for Impact. I'm just going to go on record here and saying, like, I really appreciate the performers on Impact, and I love what they're doing. I love what they're trying to do. Um, They're really trying to get this promotion off the ground, but there's just something about it that just does not resonate with me. Like, I really, really want to like Impact. There are a bunch of performers that I do like in Impact. I think TJP is the best thing that's going in Impact right now. He's the X Division Championship. He actually retains the title in a match against Josh Alexander to kick off the action for the week. Um, I love Trey Miguel. I hate that he had to break up from the our break away from the rascals of course is msk now um in wwe nxt but trey miguel's great he actually wins a fatal four-way match but that match is so short i just i don't understand having a fatal four-way match that doesn't even last five minutes um one of the highlights of the week was seeing finn juice um making their debut on impact uh they essentially have a glorified squash match with reno scum um but you know, happy to see them stateside here. Uh, I wish it was on a real cable network instead of Twitch, but you know, I'll take what I can get here. Uh, Moose takes out Fat Tommy Dreamer um, in an old school rules match, whatever the hell that means these days. It's like just make it a hardcore match or no disqualification or whatever the hell. There seems to be a lot of um, a lot of words to describe the same kind of match, which is uh, you know seems kind of arbitrary and, and interchangeable at this point, but it is what it is. I was happy to see Tennille Dashwood get a win here. She's another performer that I really, really like. And I do think it's fun that they kind of have this whole like Matt Cardona on the opposite side of Brian Myers thing right now. You know, they spent a long time as a tag team in WWE as Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. So it's kind of fun to see them opposite of each other in the ring and kind of in a feud with each other indirectly. But again, I just, I don't know if it's the production of impact or what, but it just does not get me hyped. 
Um, I mean, you know, Dynamite and NXT get me more hype than any other show. But, you know, even Raw and SmackDown, at least having some of the, the piped in sound, the Thunderdome, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, Dynamite has uh, a lot of fans in-house. Um, and at the Capitol Wrestling Center, you know, NXT has some people on the outside as well. I really like that. I'm not sure why Raw and SmackDown stopped doing that. I think they can do that with the Thunderdome. I don't see why they're not doing both at the same time. But nonetheless, that was Impact. Again, relatively uneventful. Really hard for me to buy into Impact right now. Another guy I didn't mention, you know, wasn't in uh, in any in-ring action this week was Chris Bay. I really love Chris Bay, who just recently had a birthday. Happy birthday to Chris Bay. Um, I think he just turned 25. A young guy. He's still got a long time in front of him. I think he's going to be a star. And he just needs to find the right promotion that's going to elevate him. So uh, that's that'll do it for Impact this week. And uh, that leads us right into Wednesday. Freshly squeezed. That brings us to Wednesday night. You know what that means. It's time for our Wednesday Night Wars. As always, we get started with WWE NXT coming off a super hot pay-per-view in Vengeance Day. If you want all Vengeance Day analysis, you can catch that on the previous episode, episode number nine. I had a lot of fun talking about Vengeance Day. It was a great pay-per-view from NXT. Uh, I was really hopeful they could stay on the hot streak that they were on. Again, coming out of that super hot pay-per-view. And there were some hits in this in this episode, but a lot of misses at that as well. Um, I do love the team of Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. Uh, you know, they kept things rolling. They defeated the uh, women of the way and Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. Uh, we saw that match kind of set up last week. Uh, but this was a good match. But the way just keeps losing, with the exception of Johnny Gargano. Um, they just keep losing. So I'm really, really unsure of what the purpose is. Uh, or what, you know, moving forward, what the purpose of the way is. Uh, I, I just think that there's more, there's a lot to be desired. There's more that they could be doing with this team, but they really just haven't seemed to commit. Um, I love Austin Theory. I think he's great in the ring. I think Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell are both phenomenal in the ring. And, and obviously, Johnny Gargano, I don't need to tell you anything about him. Everybody knows his accolades and knows his abilities are super, super great. So I don't get they're losing a lot of matches here. So uh, continu- or con- uh, continuing on the theme of losing is the disrespect that Swerve has been getting on NXT. He gets beat by Leon Ruff. I like Leon Ruff a lot, but they're just doing Swerve dirty here on NXT lately. It's like... What are we doing, guys? This guy is hot. Like, you know, you're just not making him look good, even in his defeats. I don't like it. Um, Other than that, you know, the big... The big things here were MSK celebrating their Dusty Tag uh, Cup Finals victory. Um, I do think that they're going to win the Tag Team Championships. They deserve it. I, I can't wait to see that. Of course, uh, Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai celebrating uh, celebrating their victory as well. So we'll see what ends up happening, who they end up uh, challenging. Right now, the champions are Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Um, but we'll see if they retain the titles uh, after this Sunday at Elimination Chamber. So other than that, of course, of course, the dissension of Undisputed Era that happened at the end of the pay-per-view was on full display in the main event of the evening, which saw Pete Dunne and the tag team champs Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan take on Finn Balor, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong. Um, WWE loves them, some six-man tag matches. This one was pretty good, had a lot of good competitors in it, um, but a lot, you know, uh, kind of jammed into 10 quick minutes. Um, in the end, Pete Dunne and the, and the heels ended up coming out on top here. Uh, if there was any question as to where, uh, you know, Adam Cole's allegiances lie, they definitely lie with himself. Comes out, super kicks Finn Balor again at the end of the show, holds up the NXT title over Finn Balor, making his intentions very, very apparent, which I'm 
not happy about because I was hoping to see Edge challenge for the NXT title, uh, you know, at WrestleMania to, to, you know, further enhance the Wednesday night war, so to speak. But with Adam Cole holding up that title, we seem to know that the storyline is moving in this way, that uh, he'll be challenging Finn Balor for the title of at Mania weekend. So again, I'm a little bit disappointed about that, but I do think that uh, Finn Balor versus Adam Cole Bebe is going to be an awesome feud, and I can't wait to see that match uh, Mania weekend. But that does it for NXT. Freshly squeezed. That takes us to AEW Dynamite, airing the exact same night as WWE NXT Wednesday. And we started things off with a tag match between Matt Hardy and Hangman Adam Page in the Hybrid 2. Of course, Hangman and Hardy go over here. They do a little, you know, bantering back and forth at the end of the match uh, we find out that uh, hangman adam page pulls the old switcheroo with the contract and matt hardy actually signs a contract uh for a match at revolution in which if hangman adam page wins he gets all of uh money matt's money for the first quarter of 2021 um matt of course is irate and he gets hangman to accept you know putting his earnings on the line as well which is a really interesting stipulation for a match um, it doesn't really captivate my attention. Like the stakes are obviously high to maybe those guys, but to common folks like us who are like, you know, do not, you know, typically don't have access to the, you know, first quarter earnings of any wrestler. Um, you know, it, it's kind of hard to wrap our head around that uh, stipulation. So, you know, I understand wanting the, to be a stipulation and wanting to set themselves apart from WWE, uh, but they kind of missed on the stipulation for this match. Although I am excited to see that match. I think it's going to be great. Um, we saw AEW Women's World Championship Eliminator Tournament match between Rio and Serena Deeb. Rio defeats the NWA champion. It was an awesome match. Great to have Rio back. Uh, and seeing her on AEW TV, uh, the Young Bucks take on Proud and Powerful in an awesome match. But don't get me freaking started on these Young Bucks. These guys do not follow any tag rules. I get that they're EVPs of the company, but dang it. Like, you, you got to follow the rules like every other tag team. They can tag themselves in whether they're at their corner or whether they're in the middle of the freaking apron. Uh, you know, they don't have to listen to referees counts. They do illegal pins. Like, it just kind of sucks. Like, I'm a real fan. I mean, we're all real fans we watch a lot of programming here but i just cannot stand that rules don't seem to apply them i'm gonna keep bitching about that because it it really bothers me um you want to see a real tag team it's ftr they take on the sadell brothers in the next match and they defeat them of course um but the big thing at the end we had an awesome six uh six man tag match between moxley archer and phoenix taking on eddie kingston the butcher and the blade um it's a it's an amazing match with John Moxley, Lance Archer and Phoenix going over in the end. But of course, Lance Archer, or I'm sorry, uh, you know, Kenny Omega attacks at the end, you know, laying out John Moxley effectively, you know, laying out the challenge. Moxley clearly wants his shot at, at Kenny Omega and Kenny Omega finally grants it to him. And it's not going to be in any other match. No, no, no. They've already had a singles match. They've had an unsanctioned match. You know, what can we do to one up this? Oh, I know what it's going to be. Revolution, an exploding barbed wire death match. That sounds like a John Moxley and Kenny Omega match, and I definitely want to see that match. I, I cannot wait, um, but I, I do think the outcome is predetermined, obviously, at this point. I think Omega will go over at Revolution, even though I hope to see John Moxley regain the title at the pay-per-view that he first won the title last year. That would be awesome and poetic, but uh, Kenny Omega's, uh, you know, 
stranglehold on AEW is not going to end anytime soon. It was a pretty good episode of Dynamite, although I think it left a lot to be desired. Um, I do love seeing, you know, Jade Cargill promos. I think that that woman is just a beast. I can't wait to see her in the ring. If she's half as good in the ring as she looks like she's going to be a freaking star. So, and just to have, you know, and have Shaq with her for that star power. I mean, that's just awesome. So we'll see if she can, you know, go in the ring, but I love her promos. I'm excited to see her. Again, good match of Dynamite, left a lot to be desired, but again, taking another win home in the ratings battle between NXT. They're just slaughtering NXT at this point. The gap was closed a lot. NXT obviously had the added boost of coming out of a pay-per-view, but still, uh, Dynamite maintaining their stranglehold and their crown on the ratings of Wednesday night for the Wednesday Night Wars, so chalk up another battle victory to AEW Dynamite. Freshly squeezed. And of course, to round out our regularly scheduled programming, we come to Friday Night SmackDown. Raw had an awesome go-home show to Raw, and I am super sad to say that SmackDown did not capitalize on that. We had a lot of unintriguing encounters here. Um, You know, Shinsuke Nakamura takes out Apollo Crews, like, right after Apollo becomes heel. Shinsuke was a heel. I guess he's a face now because he's facing heel Apollo Crews. Make it make sense to me, but Crews eating a pin in his first match as a heel. I just, I don't, why did we waste our time doing this? Um, You know, Dominic Mysterio, get the hell off my screen. I'm glad that, you know, Otis beat the shit out of him. (laughs) I, I really, really want to see everybody beat the shit out of Dominic Mysterio. I I just nepotism is not a thing that it should be overused in wrestling. There's guys like Randy Orton, the rock. Um, I mean, I'm leaving out tons of legacies, but those are just two that come to mind, you know, really quickly, Charlotte flair, you know, people that just deserve it. You know, they put the hard work in and they look good and they just, again, they deserve to be there. Dom, has done nothing to deserve to be in the spot that he's at and get him as far away from my screen as you possibly can get the hell off my screen. Dominic Mysterio. Um, and of course to, you know, in true WWE fashion to close out the night on SmackDown right before the pay-per-view, we have a boring six man tag match between the entrance of the limit SmackDown version of the elimination chamber, which saw Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan and Cesaro, the faces take on Jay Uso, Sami Zayn and King Corbin, the heels. Um, and of course the faces come out, uh, you know, come out ahead in this thing. It devolves after the match. Of course, everyone's hitting finishers on each other. Edge is out there and, and range just wrecks edge to end SmackDown and says, you know, I'll let you start my show, but I'm sure as hell not going to let you finish my show. Um, you know, pretty much just laying out the challenge. These two have been going back and forth again. They went in at the beginning of the show as well. Um, you know, I, I, I just think it's inevitable that these two are going to clash, you know, after seeing what happened on NXT with, uh, Adam Cole, you know, holding the belt over Finn Balor and seeing how much Edge and uh, Roman Reigns have been going at each other. You know, Edge has only been on Raw, I think, you know, once um, since the Royal Rumble. So it really seems like they're leaning that way. I get it. It's just not what I hoped for and not what I picked. But, you know, this this go-home show of SmackDown really, really was lacking. I think the top end of their of their roster is really, really strong. Um, again, we saw Bianca Belair this week as well. I love seeing Bianca Belair, uh, but they, you know, they took out the, the tag team champs and, uh, Bailey in a very quick match, which I didn't get. Um, but it, Raw was just so much stronger. That was a kind of show I want to see before a pay-per-view that gets me hyped for a pay-per-view. This one did not. So I'm still obviously going to be watching, uh, my buddy VA and I are going to be bringing you all things elimination chamber up next. So that does it for regularly scheduled programming. And, uh, next we're going to talk about the elimination chamber. Freshly squeezed.
All right, guys, as usual, I'm here with my normal pay-per-view correspondent, Mr. V.A. Bennett. Thanks for joining me tonight, buddy. Thanks for having me. Uh, the chamber has been eliminated. <laughs> Somebody should have eliminated it long before tonight. We uh, we just <laughs> got finished watching uh, Elimination Chamber Live, and I, I was saying to VA before we came on here, or before we started recording, like, how the hell are they going to follow up NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day with this bullshit pay-per-view? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Man, this is something, and I actually was thinking about this for a lot of you, so allow me to spitball for a second. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, listening to a podcast of some of my favorites, uh, the Squared Circle Gazette podcast, not the point, but they were talking about how they fell out of WWE like completely now, and there was a point where NXT was their saving grace. That's what kept them around for as long as they stuck around. But then they ultimately thought about it, and they knew that no matter how good you were in NXT, that eventually, you, once you made it to the main roster, you're going to get all but squandered, you know? So that kind of turned them off to it completely, which, you know, that is kind of true and, like, kind of sad to think about. But then I thought about how nice it was to see people like Finn Balor able to go back and people like, you know, uh, Ember Moon able to go back. So maybe that kind of reverses, like, you know, my feelings mirroring theirs. But uh, th the show tonight really did make me think, like, it's not ever going to get any better than NXT, is it? It, it does make me feel that way. And and, and to, to cap on what you're saying as well, with Charlotte Flair challenging Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship at WrestleMania, being the winner of the Royal Rumble was a huge moment uh, last year. Of course, it's, you know, me lobbying for Finn Balor, to, or I'm sorry, Edge to pick Finn Balor to uh, challenge for Wrestle, at WrestleMania this year. Uh, you know, the, the writing was on the wall in the week this week leading up to the pay-per-view that that most likely was not going to happen, which of course got cemented uh, tonight as well, which of course we'll get into in a little bit, but I'm, I'm totally with you. I think uh, NXT right now is the standard bearer as far as in-ring product is concerned. And as far as storytelling is concerned for WWE, um, I don't know what they've got to do to fix it. You know, I, they're so far down the rabbit hole at this point with their storytelling. It's like, I don't again, I don't even know what could happen, but let's just get right into it. We'll skip the kickoff stuff. Um, we'll just get right into the meat and potatoes of this pay-per-view. We started off with the SmackDown Chamber match, the winner receiving a shot at the Universal title later on in the night. Um, we, of course, had Daniel Bryan versus Sami Zayn uh, versus Kevin Owens, Jay Uso, Cesaro and King Corbin. Um, you know, I'm not going to get too much into the nitty gritty of this match. It's always really difficult with multi-man matches. And as a matter of fact, I don't believe we had any true singles one-on-one uh, -on -one match, uh, you know, with the exception of the, you know, the WWE championship match later on in the night. But nonetheless, Daniel Bryan and Cesaro start us off with a nice technical back and forth. Uh, I love seeing these two in the ring, but there was really nothing special about them starting it off, you know, as it really wasn't any different from their encounters, which we've seen in weeks past on Friday Night SmackDown. So, uh, you know, curious decision to have them two in the ring. It started off kind of slow. King Corbin enters eventually and just cleans house. Um, he actually stayed pretty much in control of this match for the entirety of his segment uh, uh, prior to the next entrant, uh, which happened to be Sami Zayn. Um, Sami Zayn, you know, uh, you know, tries to stay in his pod when his when his number is called. We've seen this many times before. Um, but after Daniel Bryan drops uh, Baron Corbin into the pod, Cesaro gets Sami Zayn from behind and just demolishes him inside of his pod. And now that we're at four, the action becomes 
for the first time in the match, a little bit less predictable. So, you know, it actually, this pay-per-view started at seven. This match started at seven 15. I think yeah. proper. We had a long ass intro for everybody there. And the action didn't even pick up really until like seven 25, seven 30 Eastern time. So, like I said, we, we lost a little bit of the predictability now that uh, we were at four members. The upper hand is gained like a hot potato throughout, but ends with Sami Zayn holding strong in the ring. He misses this haluva kick and like jams his leg into a closed pod that looked like it hurt. And he sells it really, really good right off the bat, but doesn't sell it later on. He just, you know, they're, they're targeting Daniel Bryan's knee this entire match. And he's doing a great job selling it throughout the entirety of this match. And Sami Zayn just kind of did like a one-off jammed his knee. And then it was of no consequence later. Cause you know, he hits a tornado DDT to the outside right there for a near fall on Cesaro. Um, you know, ends up on top of the pod. This is one of my favorite moments from this match is when Cesaro ends up chasing him on top of the pod, uh, you know, and he's doing the, the triple European uppercut and still doesn't get him off the chain. God, I love that uppercut. That's so sweet. Um, Best of the game. Oh, it's so great. And then, you know, they go back and forth and then eventually it ends with Cesaro hanging on top of the pod by the chain and just like coming down with both of his boots onto Sami Zayn, who takes an insane bump uh, to the outside. So... That was followed by a couple of pull-ups on top of the chains by Cesaro. He's such a beast. And he, you know, proved he was a beast by swinging Baron Corbin, which is no small feat. That dude is massive. He's, like, so tall and he's so big. But uh, he's still able to do it. Uh, steps through on the sharpshooter and Corbin tapped out. I just, I got to ask you, you know, I'm, I don't want to do all the talking here, but that was our first elimination. How surprised were you to see King Corbin go out like that just with a, with a simple sharpshooter so early? That, that was very surprising especially because he like you said he came in like a house of fire and he was just you know in control of the match and i honestly i'm gonna i'm gonna give corbin some credit as of late i mean as far as what he's been given to work with he's been looking pretty decent in his role uh but at the same time i'm a big cesaro fan so i'm kind of glad that you know they went that route with cesaro eliminating him but i'm when it seemed like Cesaro was about to start getting like another push again, this match happened, and now I'm not really sure exactly like what they're trying to do with him. I thought there maybe we, I thought that maybe Seth Rollins might have something to do with Cesaro today. Mm-hmm. I I don't know what I'm supposed to think about Cesaro anymore because I've seen these start stop pushes with him all the time. It looks like they're about to lean right back into that sort of same line of reasoning with him. Yeah, and it's a little disappointing because he signed that contract recently to uh, re up when a lot of people thought that he might might be going elsewhere but i think it was a smart move you know you look at the landscape of aew and stuff like that like they're very crowded at the top of the card right now and the mid cards becoming more and more crowded i think you know when you look at that when you're making the money that you're making and kind of working the schedule that he's working i understand wanting to stay there i mean he's probably signing the, se- the second to last contract of his career as far as a major contract is concerned so in any case this match continue we digress a little bit on a cesaro sidecar kevin owens is the next uh, is next out to continue the onslaught. Sami Zayn, I, you know, when he tries to reform that alliance with Kevin Owens, like, you know, like, that's not going to happen in a split moment. That's going to take a storyline for that to happen. But in the moment, I'm like, fuck yes, like, get back together for the love of God, just even for a little bit. That would be so fun. Um, but of course, it goes nowhere. It, it would have made sense in this match for them to just be like, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard. It could have made hard. sense. 
it's hard that the in-ring psychology of these matches very often is three faces and three heels so it's like really difficult to get around that in-ring psychology and to be honest with you i don't recall ever seeing a heel face turn or a face heel turn uh, in the elimination chamber they've always kind of all played up you know who their characters were prior to the match so in the end kevin yeah but i'm saying like no i'm sorry i'm saying like it didn't have to be like a heel face turn but like maybe they would have realized that like their odds would have just been better if they worked together, you know, like just no, for that one match. No, certainly. While that may be, like you know, I'm just saying, like the they do a very calculated job of these matches. They they never tip the scales towards the heels or towards the faces in this match, as yeah. far as the people that are inside of it. So I'm not surprised that they didn't do the edgy thing, as we all wanted them to do. Like I said, I wanted it to happen. Um, nonetheless, he he demolishes everyone. Uh, you know, he hits that triple cannonball, which is always fun. Um, all four end up hitting their, you know, signature maneuvers and everybody's down. Kevin Owens, for the love of God, we talk about optics when it comes to Daniel Bryan taking shit to his head. He hits this like inverted, like fisherman, like neck breaker head buster. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Like if I, if I'm, if I'm Brie Bella, I'm just like, what the hell is happening here? Yeah. yeah you but, know what you I'm know, saying? Yeah. But Kevin's a pretty safe worker. Uh, no doubt. No doubt, no doubt. But he gets a near fall on that. Um, Jay Uso is, is, comes in, and no one has been eliminated up to this point, with the for the exception of Corbin. Um, he immediately receives a pummeling from Kevin Owens because everybody hates Jay Uso right now. Um, <laughs> he throws him into the chamber wall and moonsaults onto everyone outside with a stunner party to follow, and he eliminates Sami Zayn. Then, yeah, I was uh, I was really stoked to see Kevin Owens eliminate Sami Zayn. Kind of a, a, a hat tip back to their their prior. Uh, feuds that they've had in the past so you know give me your thoughts up till now on that uh it, it was cool seeing kevin as a house of fire um i, I love owen so don't get me wrong about what i'm about to say next i oh god <laughs> he he's been through this he's been like up against roman too many times now and if, if they would have maybe cut off a couple of the matches that they've already had i could have seen owens potentially actually winning this you know but yeah, yeah, I I I knew going into it that the, he he was probably the least the least favorite one out of all of them, honestly. And yeah, like uh, he, so, it was cool to see him fire up because I'm a big Owens fan. I I love watching him work, but I I couldn't get as behind it as I normally would have because I just knew that it wasn't leading anywhere. You know, it's crazy that you say that because I think we're in the same boat there. I've been talking on you know in weeks past about. You know, the overutilization of the Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns feud, especially because like, you know, obviously the endings were without controversy. But when you have three like that just seems like that's a finish right there. You know, you do three matches. So I really thought WWE was going to do dumb WWE things and actually have Owens win this match. Like something in my gut was like, they're just going to fucking go to that. Well, one more time just to make it easy for Reigns to win. It started to make Owens look dumb because, I mean, like, okay, if somebody cheats to beat you once, okay, mm-hmm. that's on them. Maybe even twice, okay, that's on them. But like you said, like a third time, like, okay, they they just have your number. You need to, you can't beat them, whether it's legal or not. So it's like kind of just move on. No, but, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, we're on the same page there. But alas, the Kevin Owens train doesn't last long. Um, I mean, as, as Sami Zayn's as exiting the ring, Jay Uso lulls Kevin Owens and traps his arm into the chamber door and hits a myriad of super kicks from there, uh, gets him back in the ring, hits a splash from the turnbuckle and Jay Uso eliminates Kevin Owens. So they're probably going to be moving into a feud. What I'm thinking here, that was a little bizarre. Uh, Jay looked really vicious in that attack though. So yeah. 
props for him. I was like, okay, that was like the most like believable he looked, I think, maybe ever for Jimmy yes. Uso. Sidebar, when Jimmy Uso comes back, is he going to be mm-hmm. part of this family? Oh, I think he almost has to, really. I think uh, they wear Roman down to the point where it looks like even with Jay won't be enough, but then Jimmy comes and, like, okay, then it puts them back on the ground that they were on, and it carries them clear through through next WrestleMania whenever Roman actually loses the title. Conceivably, the only person that's going to beat Roman Reigns at this point in the match, I'm thinking, is probably Brock Lesnar. Yeah, but even that still feels like it's lacking something. Is that contrived? Too contrived? No, I mean, no, it's really not. It's really, especially with Paul Heyman involved. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's yeah. the element right there. But, uh, you know, after this match, uh, you know, Jay Uso continues the attack on Brian's knee. I mentioned earlier, you know, they really sold that left knee injury throughout. Um, you know, Cesaro takes control of the match. Then after back and forth, Daniel Bryan gets caught in a couple, gets a couple of near falls on Cesaro uh, as they take each other out. Jay Uso is just recovering. That's so smart. I was like, damn, like he just sitting there letting these two beat the shit out of each other. And he's just taking a back seat. But, uh, you know, Cesaro again, t- going back to the knee of Brian and he swings him from that knee only on a Cesaro swing. I was like, Oh, that looks so gross. Brutal, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my uh, God. They, they do a good job of storytelling. Daniel Bryan is, is one of the best storytellers in the ring. Like he, he's the kind of guy that goes up to people before the match and say, Hey, I really want to tell a story with, x or y or z and he goes to the announcers and says hey we're going to tell a story with x or y or z you know make sure you like hit on these points like when you're going through the match and it really helps like the overall experience as a viewer you know what i'm saying he absolutely there's no more big fight feel than when daniel bryan is in the match i just think his matches are just are just so well put together but nonetheless uh you know jay uso super kicks cesaro when he's doing the swing hits the splash on him cesaro pinned and eliminated uh, Uso then hits a splash on Daniel Bryan for a near fall. I thought we were actually going to get it for a second, you know, but yeah. the announcers did a good job of building up Daniel Bryan wrestling two matches in one night. So it was not to be Jay Uso's night. He climbs to the top of the pod for a huge frog splash that he inevitably was going to miss. Ate the knees to the ribs. Da- Daniel Bryan hits a running knee on Jay Uso and he pins him. Daniel Bryan wins the chamber match and earns a shot at the Universal Championship later on tonight. When will that later on come? We'll right find out after now. you give me your opinion. <laughs> well, man, it was I was actually excited at the prospect because they they put this uh, this match on first. So I was like, okay, well maybe that'll give the winner uh, some chance to recuperate. You know, at least storyline wise, because you know they kept bringing up how Daniel Bryan beat you know the Triple H and Orton and Batista at WrestleMania 30 on the same night. And but in that scenario, the Triple H match was first, and then he had the whole rest of the show to recover. So once I saw the show go on first, that's what I thought they were doing, and I got excited about it because uh, Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns, no matter how you slice it, that's going to be a good match unless they do exactly what they chose to do instead, (laughs) which was bring out Roman Reigns right away. And I I had a feeling. I had a good feeling. I I was watching with my girl. I turned her. I was like, what if Roman comes out now? She goes, he has enough of a bitch to do that. I was like, oh, well, I think it's happening. And then his, his music hit. And it was, I, I felt all, all the hope instantly leave my body <laughs> at that point. I was, I was really hyped. Uh, don't get me wrong. The actual chamber match was, it was good. It was fun. It was, it had some good spots. It was very digestible. I'll say that. But going into it, I was scared that it wasn't going to mean anything because I thought exactly what was going to happen might happen. And then here we are. It happened. 
<laughs> yeah. And what is that, you might ask? Uh, the bell rings. Roman Reigns attempts to spear. Daniel Bryan reverses it into a yes lock so beautifully. I was mm. like, ooh, that was a botched spear. It was a really weird spot. I thought they botched the spear, but then it made sense. He locks in the yes lock, and, and Roman Reigns just powers out of it, and he just beats the hell out of Daniel Bryan, plants him with a huge power bomb. And I literally write this note in here. I'm reading my notes right here. It says, if anyone can pull this off, it will be Daniel Bryan for sure. But tonight wouldn't be that night because he, Roman Reigns locks in the guillotine immediately after that. And the ref stops it mercifully and Reigns retains. I was sad to see Daniel Bryan go down that quickly, but I, I do think that it's great heel work from Roman Reigns who stands over him and taunts him afterward as he's as he should be proud of demolishing a man after after a grueling 40-minute mat, chamber match. Raymond, uh, Raymond, Roman did look like a beast there. I'll give him that for sure, even though he didn't do anything. He looked like a bitch and a beast at the same time. Man, that's the play. I mean, that's the play. I mean, Brock Lesnar was the same way. I mean, a lot of great heel champions have been the same way. People talk about JBL's wrong or JBL's long reign. I mean, he had a massive reign, but like we have Orlando helping him out. He had like the Basham, Doug and Danny Basham helping yeah. him out for a long time. I think Joey Hall might have been there. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like all great heel champions have help. And I, I think Reigns' story shouldn't be any different. You know, because when you have that like outlaw heel who's just supposed to be an ass kicker of everyone, they end up becoming like that tweener face. You're you're Steve stone cold. Yeah, exactly. You're stone cold. You're John Moxley's of the world. You know, it's just impossible to like hate those guys no matter what shit they're spewing out of their mouth. But the big story after this match, Ed shows up out of nowhere and delivers a spear to Roman Reigns' payback from Friday. Cliche points to the WrestleMania sign indicating he's made Reigns' choice to face for the Universal Championship. My note says, damn. I mean, I'm stoked to see Finn Balor and Adam Cole, baby, but I really think they're missing out here. I, I, I just think that if they really want to make this a true Wednesday night war, and they are trending that way because we heard, um, I, I, I didn't talk about this in the show, but they announced that uh, NXT Evolve is going to be another NXT show. Um, which is actually going to be the quote-unquote developmental, if you will, it sounds like. And it's going to kind of be more like Raw Underground-y meets like NXT. So it's kind of got that like underground feel or like more of a fight feel. I don't know if you've been reading at all about this. No, I uh, saw something about it and I was really curious as to what it was actually supposed to be. I do know that I'll at least look at it. Yeah, certainly, certainly. But like I said, it's a, you know, so they clearly have aspirations for the NXT brand growing. You know, obviously they're their UK offshoot and they have a lot of other offshoots all around the world as far as uh, developmental developmental is concerned but i just think that if you want to say hey we're really committing this you know charlotte challenged real last year like let's do it you know but not to be finn balor adam cole is going to be amazing but it's definitely looks like our match our main event at wrestlemania this year is going to be edge versus roman reigns and and, and it makes sense i think eventually as the catalyst you know he's been to you know for his choice you know he's been bringing up that he you know never lost the title etc cetera, etc cetera. he's also never held the universal championship so to me i'm just like i'm sure that'll be brought up and he'll just need he has the need as a hall of famer to have had every belt that wwe has so um yeah. what do you think about this decision i think uh honestly it it, it rubs me kind of wrong on paper but it actually does make the most sense besides maybe finn right now I didn't even really think as fan into the equation because thinking back, has the NXT men's title ever been defended at WrestleMania? Never. All right. So, I mean, Edge would have had enough star power to do it, and I guess Finn would have as well. But if you take that out of the equation, you got, what, Edge versus Drew or Edge versus Roman. 
And I think that it's easier to build Edge versus Roman than it is Edge versus Drew since they're both baby faces. Certainly. And as far as the NXT thing is concerned, conceivably they're going to have their takeover mania show, you know, and if the NXT men's title is not going to headline that, I mean, right. I, I mean, I know I love you. Sure. I don't get me wrong. I just think that WWE is certainly not bold enough to have an NXT women's match headline the mania weekend. Um, you know, they've, yeah. they've made a lot of strides with their women, um, but they, I don't know, Triple H actually might make that call. I, sh- I shouldn't say that, but I just can't see them having their top conceived top strap, not main eventing that mania takeover weekend. No. Yeah. I, I, and they're I not, you're completely right. There. And they're not going to have the rumble winner, not a headline mania. That's never happened before. Yeah. Right. I don't believe if that has happened before. Somebody can definitely call in the number to correct me. That's five, one, three, five, eight, zero, seven, two, seven, three, but we move on. We moved on to the U.S. championship match between Riddle, uh, Bobby Lashley, who's the uh, champion right now, and John Morrison, who replaces the injured Keith Lee. He won a fatal four-way match to uh, earn the right in this match. Is Keith Lee actually injured? Can I ask you that? Supposedly he is. Supposedly he legitimately is. That's what I've been reading. Now, I don't think he has heat for anything. Um, You know, he just announced his engagement to uh, Mia Yim. you know, all over social media. I can't see WWE pulling the bad PR stunt of like pulling him out of shit. Like when he's going through real life greatness, I don't know. They are pretty shallow, there, but I do believe he is injured. But wasn't there like a reports, like not, not super long ago that Vince thought that Keith Lee needed to go like back to NXT. Why? Like, um, not just I him, but like, I, I do <laughs> not believe I, although I did read the same reports and that may be true because, you know, you mentioned it earlier, like, I don't even know if we were on air yet when you said this, but we were talking about how guys go from NXT up to the main roster and there's no point in even watching them anymore because Vince does not know how to use gifts that are, you know, tied and neatly with a little bow and handed to him on a silver platter. But I do think that I, I don't think it's logical that they would have built up this match and have Keith Lee in this match with Vince's approval only for him to pull the plug at the last minute. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to say I'm hoping he's injured, but oddly enough, I guess that's the best case scenario here. <laughs> yeah, certainly. I wouldn't have wanted to see him, him get pulled from this match for any other silly reason. I think right. I actually, you know what, going into this match, the original triple threat, I thought this was Keith Lee's moment. I thought they were putting the strap on him. Um, so I was really sad to see him out of this match. Um, the heels, you know, end up ganging up on Riddle to start it off with. But Lashley turns on Morrison, takes out everybody and. Lashley is just vicious, man. He is just dominating this match. Riddle and Morrison try to team up on him so many times, and he just tosses them aside every time. And I just got to say, like, I fucking love this Lashley. Like, I think mm-hmm. he always needs to be an ass kicker. They need to keep the microphone away from his mouth, number one. Yeah. He's already got a great mouthpiece and MVP, so just keep riding MVP. It's the same thing as Paul Heyman and Lesnar, Paul Heyman and Reigns. Um, you know, and, and two, just let him tear through everybody. You know, like make him scowl, make him do vicious. Powerhouse Hobbs over on AEW does an awesome scowl. And I just want to keep seeing uh, Lashley scowl like that. Um, eventually, Riddle's able to take Lashley down outside of the ring. Morrison shoves Riddle into the post, gets a near fall. You know, he beats up on Morrison for a while. Lashley inserts himself back into the match at a weird point after uh, um, after Morrison gets involved with MVP and takes the crutch. He eats a starship pain for a one count. He ends up locking, he gets the hurt lock in on Morrison, but Riddle takes takes the crutch, beats Lashley in the back with it. He hits the bro Derek on Morrison, and now we have a new U.S. champion. Uh, I have a note here, not a great match by any means. It's kind of boring, actually. 
This would have been on this would have been the worst match on many pay-per-views, in my opinion. I, I thought this match, the pacing was weird. Now, credit to all the men. I mean, they didn't know John Morrison was going to be in this match until very recently. And like I said, there most likely was a different ending that was originally written, is what it seemed like to me when I was watching this match. But I just I, I I'm we just deserve better on a pay-per-view, in my opinion. And I was man, I, I know I'm I know I'm a bigger riddle fan than you are, but I, this whole like riddle and lastly feud has been something that I have been like kind of into and i've kind of i've been waiting for them to like to just have their match like mm-hmm. with it like all on the line like on a pay-per-view mm-hmm. and there's gonna be a definitive winner and i love john morrison too but there's why the fuck was he here like i've never seen this before in a triple threat match where if one person can't compete then it doesn't just become a one-on-one match right like it it wasn't hey we're gonna have a triple threat match no matter what it was we're gonna have a united states title match and if one of the people that was deemed to be the top contender can't compete, and you already have your other person you deemed to be a top contender, it made no fucking sense. Unless, and this might be a stretch, like you said, maybe they were going to put the title on Lee, and more than more than wanting to put it on Lee, they wanted it to be a catalyst in Bobby Lashley. So it didn't matter if it was Lee or not. So maybe Here- Riddle was gifted the title. I think the ending was almost identical to what they had written. I actually think that Matt Riddle was supposed to be the one hitting Lashley in the back with the uh, hitting Lashley in the back with, or I'm sorry. He was the end of the, I think Keith Lee was supposed to be the one that did that. And he yeah. was supposed to get, I think the ending was identical. It was just supposed to be Keith Lee and Matt Riddle spot and Matt Riddle and John Morrison spot. I yeah. think Lashley's, largely remained unchanged as far as how the ending was going to go down. But if they were going to keep him on, if they were going to keep the strap on him in the original plans, it would have kept him on in this plan. So um, again, I can only blame the, the, you know, the change out from Keith Lee to John Morrison. And I have to completely agree with you. Just keep it a singles match. The blow off would have been way better. And it's also this match. Also, it, it lost points coming in for the same reason that the SmackDown chamber did because at the SmackDown Chamber, I knew that no matter who won, it wasn't gonna fucking matter because Roman's gonna walk out on top. And Morrison, <laughs> I, when I when I saw Morrison put in this match, I knew there's no fucking way he's gonna win at all. So it, it took away from it a little bit for it, me. But. It seemed it seemed like he was always gonna be the guy to eat the pin, no matter who was getting the victory here. Yeah, you know, which kind of made me think that Riddle was winning as soon as I saw that because mm-hmm. they want yeah. to give him the belt without Lashley looking weak. It yeah. looks like they got other plans for him. Right. right and, and and to me, you hit the nail on the head. That, to me, is the only reason they kept us with a triple threat is they never intended for Lashley to go down. They never intended for Lashley to take the pin, and they never – so they just kept with that plan, and they figured out a way to make sure he didn't eat the pin because you shouldn't have your badasses like that eating a pin, in my opinion. So no. um, from there, I just we, – we move on into the women's tag title match. Um I, you know, WWE does a really bad job of painting themselves in a corner in which they constantly have one of their main brands, women's champion involved in the tag team title storylines all the time, all the time, dude. It's like, yo, you have so many talents that you have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to the women's roster. Like any other promotion will be like drooling to have the talent that WWE has on their women's roster. And especially their NXT roster. My God, those women tore the house down last week at that pay-per-view. They really, really did. Um, yeah. Io Shirai is one of the best in the game right now. Men or yeah. women's. I mean, she is just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, this match is I, – I didn't see the point to it. Um, you know, uh, 
Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai winning the first women's Dusty Classic to earn the shot at the uh, you know tag titles. I didn't see a, a women's champion holding the titles because they weren't going to take a loss before defending the title at WrestleMania. That just doesn't make sense. So uh, again, I saw this match as pointless. Um, I really didn't think the in-ring work was good. I was happy to see Bianca Belair surface on a pay-per-view because I think she's been woefully underutilized um, since you know winning the Rumble. I know she's shown up on SmackDown and stuff like that. She had a nice little match, you know, or was involved in a match this week. Um, but this was a nice chance for her to have some in-ring work. I just want to see some singles singles matches with Bianca Belair. I don't I don't get why they keep putting her in these tag storylines, you know, with either Carmella and Reginald or with Sasha on one side. It's just it just seems to be like a true waste of like what she's actually capable of. Many people on the main roster haven't watched NXT, or I'm sorry, many people who watch the main shows haven't watched NXT, and they really really need to have that chance to familiarize themselves with Bianca Belair's work. You know, she got called up a while ago but she really hasn't shown up a whole lot and like done a whole lot of things since she's shown up and i just think they keep kind of sliding her into the background which i still think is super disrespectful um anyways i think sasha takes the pin in this match which is really surprising that the women's champion takes the pin here i th- see i agree with what you're saying about bianca uh, and i'm afraid that they're they're doing that milk toast baby face thing to her that they do to everybody and we can talk about later if you want but i think that this match a happened because Bianca is going to end up picking Sasha at WrestleMania. And I thought that they would use this match as a vehicle to create some sort of dissension between the two, because as it stands, like they've been friendly towards each other and they give each other props. They even decided to, you know, to fight alongside each other, but that didn't really happen in this match. There wasn't really anything between the two of them, maybe like one little miscommunication, but they didn't even like stick on it. They're just like, Oh, well, that's just something that happened. And then you in, you insert somebody like Reginald, and what? Why? Why? I, and, and Carmella has to be looming still, right? Here's here's the deal with somebody's got to turn heel before this match. I don't think you're gonna go into this match with two faces. No. And, and Sasha just turned face. She just turned face, but Bianca mm-hmm. has never been a heel on the main roster. She was a heel. Yeah. She was a great heel in NXT. A fantastic heel. Mm-hmm. in nxt so i think she might align herself with reginald and carmella and i think it might be part of a heel turn uh moving into this match i do we both discussed it after the royal rumble we both are in agreement that um bianca Belair and sasha banks should be facing each other i think that gives the most intriguing match um they're not doing a really good job with the raw women's uh or with the yeah with the raw women's championship storylines right now of course derailed by lacey evans uh you know pregnancy congratulations to her of course um, I'm, I'm sure she's very, very happy, but you know, obviously this mat, that match erased from the card, which makes this card very short, which we were both frustrated about because after this match, that was match four or five. And yeah. seriously, I looked at my clock and it said like eight 45 and I'm like, Oh no, what's happening here? Like, there's no way that they're going to have a pay-per-view that's shorter than Monday night raw. Right. I said, dude, I'm, did you say, your, did you say the same thing? Yes, exactly what I was saying. I, I kept looking at my watch. I was like, I'm, did my clock switch back to like Sensi time? Or like, I, I didn't know what the hell was going on. But I know I ate an edible earlier. Maybe that had something to do with it. But no, I guess not. Like, it, this was this really happened. And that that's ridiculous. What, what if you still had to pay the same amount of money that you used to back in the day? 
Dude, I've said that a bunch of times after watching really terrible pay-per-views. I'm like, well, at least I only pay $9.99 for it. Yeah. (laughs) And it's funny because sometimes like they'll they'll way overrun too. Yeah. I mean, oh my God. When they would overrun like from like eight to like past like eleven thirty midnight, I'm like, what the fuck, guys? Like, you gotta hit the sweet spot. I mean, God, what was it, WrestleMania two years ago that went to like midnight like seven to midnight or some or six to midnight or some crazy long show yeah it was yeah i like took a freaking nap (laughs) i had to get a warm bottle in the middle of that thing (laughs) i remember watching it but i hardly remember any of the show i think that was the one that like becky and charlotte that was a becky charlotte ronda rousey uh yeah it was just so much fatigue you could tell like in the audience too i was like they clearly wanted that to be a big moment and then they fatigue but this was the opposite of that we're into our last match and we're moving on to the wwe championship elimination chamber which saw the champion drew mcintyre versus aj styles randy orton kofi kingston jeff hardy and sheamus the i liked this championship um elimination chamber concept i was really pissed off at it at first because i thought it was kind of boring and i even like go out on a limb and or i'm sorry i go out and like pretty much roast it on the episode and while i do think the initial idea is boring um because it seemed like the end was all but certain um i do think they did a really good job with these people even though they are all former champions like the storylines intertwined within this match are all great um and they all kind of come to a head here uh randy orton and jeff hardy start us off uh, trading advantage early on, but Orton then ends up taking control for a while. Um, there's nothing really noteworthy that happens until Drew McIntyre comes in, I didn't think. Um, a business picked up. He takes out both men. And I even have a note here. Even though I'm bored by Drew most of the time, I do have to give him credit for being a fighting champion. Um, yeah. He does show up, and he is the guy that's like, you do believe him when he says, like, I want to fight for my championship and be that guy. So, um you know, eventually Orton takes over the match and gets a near fall on Drew. Kofi comes out next and he actually gives the faces a three on one advantage over Orton. But Orton actually did a really good job of like, you know, really keeping the upper hand until, up until this match. Um, these guys unload on each other until Orton gets caught napping and rolled up by Kofi Kingston for a quick elimination. What the uh, he, fuck was that? Right, dude. <laughs> dude, I'm sitting here. You want to talk about like interference in a in a in the match? Um you know, we talked about that for the first chamber match, but here I was like, you, I would have thought with the whole like pentagram thing yeah. on, um, on raw, on raw, like, man, the fiend is going to show up like from out of nowhere and be like, uh, I was so sure the fiend was coming back tonight. I was beyond positive right. that the fiend would be back tonight right? and have like, something to do with Orange elimination. Dude, I thought like it was perfect for like, Orton to be like staring down like somebody in a pod, the lights go off and they come back on and the fiend is just in the pod. Oh like, yeah. Boom. See, boom, that, dude. That's perfect. Easy. I should be a writer. I there should be go. a writer up in that room. Both you and I should be writers. We that's should have cool. our own. We should have our own NXT show. They give us the roster. We'd write an awesome show. Just give me, um, just give me the pencil. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, man. Um, but he RKO's uh, Kofi and Jeff Hardy after that. AJ can't wait to get in. So he has almost ripped rip off the cell of the back <laughs> he puts himself in the match that's uh, that was creative here's what i here's what i think about that the reason i liked that is is because we were only down to two men and i was like i think it was so stupid that they announced who was going to be last into the chamber because you're sitting there like for the last 10 minutes of the match like knowing who's coming out second to last and knowing who's coming out last at least like when this happened they were like 
well, okay, we already know who's going to come out, but like, we're not going to sit and make you like wait through like six minutes of like non-action for like yeah, no reason. Where it just lights up on agent. You know what? That That's a pretty good point. No, yeah, because honestly, like if you, I, I, I recorded, uh, you know, after Monday Night Raw, I, re- you know, recorded about, uh, you know, pretty much right after it. And so I was giving my opinions on that and I was actually roasting, like knowing who was coming in last because it means, you know, who you're coming in second to last. It's like yeah. 10, like super like, and we were talking about this with the Royal Rumble and like the surprises time. are like the best thing that WWE could have. So like you just like ruin one of your biggest like elements of surprise here. So it was a good way to get around that almost you know, gets, uh, gets AJ into the match. He ends up getting kicked out by Adam Pierce. Um, so that was a smart move by AJ Styles. I really think so. He, you know, after, after those two dudes got RKO'd, uh, Kingston and Hardy, it's like, why not put yourself in the match and try to pin them? Nobody was around to pin him. So he's like, I need to go pin these dudes right now. AJ's a thinker for sure. And, uh, when it comes to people getting kicked out of elimination chambers, tell me why is it that, um, Sammy Zayn's camera crew, gets asked to leave right away before the match even starts. Right. But 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 then almost gets to stick around long enough to rip <laughs> a cage open. <laughs> hey, hey, continuity has never been a, a strength for WWE. We've all known that. Oh my they're, god. They're they're like an hour apart. <laughs> dude, I know. I it, people that don't follow like you know rules for continuity sake really bothers me it's like watching the young bucks wrestle tag team matches it frustrates me yes (laughs) i saw them and i'll just quick quick side i know people aren't listening to this for aew but there was a moment in the young bucks tag matches past week where uh nick jackson tagged into the match but he was literally in the middle of the apron between the turnbuckles like dead in the middle like he wasn't even trying to be in the corner when he tagged and i'm like the rules do not apply to these guys and it irritates me to no end (laughs) Um, nonetheless, I digress. Uh, you know, the four men that's, that are in the match, um, essentially, you know, trade advantage for a few minutes. Uh, Kofi pretty much takes a beating at the hands of McIntyre. We see a really aggressive Drew McIntyre in this match. He's in complete control, awaiting the release of Sheamus. Damn, Sheamus comes out and these two dudes just club each other. I mean, they're just, oh, I love to see it Two Heavyweights like that, like clubbing each other. Sheamus eventually gains. We have a crazy, crazy, crazy combination that's like coming up in this match. Sheamus like gains the upper hand um, with with McIntyre. Styles Styles has the upper hand with Kingston. He takes out both Sheamus and McIntyre on the outside with the splash. Ends up on top of the pod like you knew Kofi was going to eventually in this match. That's why he was there, dude. Yeah. Definitely. They're sitting there like, could it be Kofi Mania again? I'm like, hey, Mm -hmm. listen, don't fucking bullshit us. Don't (laughs) lie to us. We know that's not the case here. Like. We know what it is. This guy was unceremoniously like tossed aside by Brock Lesnar and never got his rematch, and here he is. Right. Throwing pancakes out again. Get <laughs> out of here with that shit. No Kofi Mania again. Ugh, it That's going to be a no Kofi Mania for me, dog. Oh, dude. Come on, man. Don't even get me started on that. But uh, <laughs> in the end, he ends up on top of the pod. Uh, you know, Sheamus is in pursuit of him. He gets racked by McIntyre on that, which ends this really sweet, like, double power bomb um superplex combo like hardy and styles powerbomb mcintyre who superplexes sheamus i always love when they bust out those four men moves a couple of near falls to follow air kofi from the top of the pot that's what he's here for air kofi yeah. yay <laughs> yay <laughs> kofi thanks for thanks for all your help you try to pin a guy you try to pin three guys no one's eliminated bro kick to kofi and kofi's eliminated and what a bro kick by the way he sold that like a champ kofi's great man yeah Kofi is I, such a yeah. I, 
Kofi, I knew, had the very least chance of winning this match. The very least. But, you know, it's always it's good to see him. Do uh, he was second on the bottom total pool. I actually thought Jeff Hardy was at the bottom of the total oh. pool for me. Oh, I forgot he was there. Dude, so he's yeah. still in this match. <laughs> Get this. Oh, yeah, still, yeah. <laughs> he, he lasts longer than Kofi. He swanton bombs AJ Styles after this, and then he eats a Claymore, and now he's out. Yeah. <laughs> so Kofi and Kofi and Jeff Hardy are out at this point. So we're back to Sheamus and McIntyre duking it out. Eventually, Drew is down and nearly pinned three times by Sheamus and, twi- and AJ Styles together. Sheamus gets upset at AJ Styles. Really interesting part of this match. Well, he's essentially just like, you know, talking shit to him because he's not able to put McIntyre away. He gives him 10 beats of the Bowery. You know, future shock DDT out of nowhere to Sheamus before he can get hit that brogue kick. You know, I thought Drew was going to take down Sheamus here with this brogue kick, or I'm sorry, with this Claymore, but he ends up, you know, uh, Sheamus ends up reversing it into the brogue kick. But Styles hits a phenomenal forearm on Sheamus, yeah. and then Sheamus is pinned. I'm like, what the fuck is happening ah. here? There's so much going on. See, I really thought Sheamus was about to take it for a minute there, too. Yeah. So that was the most uh, surprising elimination in this match to me. I thought, it- yeah, yeah. I thought if there was one way McIntyre was going to get pinned the whole night, that it was going to be there. But um, Sheamus pinned, eliminated down to Styles and McIntyre. AJ gearing up for that phenomenal forearm, but Drew counters into a phenomenal Claymore. AJ Styles is pinned and still your winner and still WWE champion Drew McIntyre. I actually thought this was the right move here. I thought so too. I my two people I thought were going to win is I thought Drew was going to retain and if that didn't happen I thought it would definitely be Sheamus. Um, Drew looked like a a monster as he always does and he did it in a a nice a nice baby face way that you don't really get to see too more like no. Kudos. No, 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 you're totally right. I mean, you're, you're totally right about that. And, you know, the announcers reminded me that Sheamus has been champion five times. I was like, yeah, what? <laughs> what? I remember him being champion. I remember him winning the championship in like 15 seconds at WrestleMania, right? 18 seconds. 18, whatever it was. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, that dude was a beast. I was like, he was only derailed by like an injury and like bad storylines. So and- I was like, that dude. Yeah, I think he, you know, he still clearly got it. He looks great, and he looks like he feels great, and he's great on the mic. So I want to say um, his first title was in like two thousand nine. Really, that long, dude? He's been around for a minute. It was dude. a tables match with John Cena at the TLC. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that was. Match. A, I'm sure that was a barn burner. <laughs> it it was shocking because Sheamus didn't seem like he had just come up from ECW, and uh, Jesse Ventura was like the uh, celebrity Raw host or whatever for the week. And he ended up, he's like, I'm tired of seeing the same people get chances, so I'm giving Sheamus a title match against John Cena. Didn't he white noise him off of a turnbuckle through a table? Yeah, that's exactly it. I was about to say, I'm, I'm vaguely remembering that now. Yep. Yeah. Shit, dude. Yeah, that was pre-Brogue kick. He was doing that white noise to people. Mm-hmm. Damn. So, so, yeah, Sheamus has been around for a while. And, like, I think he's honestly doing some of the best work of his career right now. So, yeah. I, I agree, man. I think – um they, they showed an awesome picture on uh, social media earlier this week of like Nexus Drew McIntyre and like original Sheamus, like as baby or as like, I don't, when I say baby faces, I don't mean their persona, but I mean like legitimately their faces look like they're babies. Yeah. Um, and I was like, Jesus, these guys have come a long way. Yeah. I mean, damn McIntyre, McIntyre, they think debuted for WWE in like 2004 was it? or 2005. I mean, it was a long time ago, dude. Yeah. So it's been a minute. 
Anyway, you think that's the end of the night? No way. Lashley, Spiretta, nowhere. <laughs> just destroys Drew McIntyre outside of the ring. Beats his head against the table, and they do a good job of showing the announce table desk moving backwards. Takes him into the ring with a hurt lock into a full Nelson slam. Awesome! And here comes the Miz. He came to play. He did come to play. He cashes yeah. in his briefcase, and I didn't like the way they did this. They, I don't recall this ever being like a thing where they were like had to, you know, make sure that the other wrestler was like coherent to like get up right. on their feet and to ring a bell because like. I thought I was pretty sure it's like anytime, anywhere, like you could come into the parking lot and take a bitch out and yeah. take the title. But anyway, you know, he hits the hits the DDT on Drew McIntyre. He kicks out at two. And I'm like, really? Are we really going to do this again? We're <laughs> really going to ruin this briefcase again. <laughs> but no, <laughs> just only one time. Miz hits the skull crushing finale. One, two, three. And your new WWE champion. The Miz. It amazes me when I look at the Miz like going off the air tonight, and Miz has got a smile and jack face on him. Like, dude, this dude went from MTV reality star to like multi-time WWE champion to like having a super smoking hot wife and a good looking family and his own show on E to champion again, like that's, going into WrestleMania season. That's not amazing. That's amazing. The hell? What the I, Wow. What do you think I, of this move? Uh, <laughs> well, I'll say I, I I don't hate the news. I don't know why they decided to pull the trigger with him now. Uh, but like you said, it would have killed the uh, money in the bank gimmick a little more if somebody tried to cash in and didn't win. And it would have wasted a lot of time because it, remember that case was on Otis at one point. So was they on, clearly, Otis, won, Otis won that case. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And they, they had no idea what the fuck they were going to do with that thing at all. And so I don't know if this was just like some knee-jerk reaction, like we should do something with it just because we've you know, been using it this whole time. But uh, good for the Miz. But I, the Miz isn't about to be in the WrestleMania main event, is he? Well, no, the main event's going to be Edge, and he's going to be a one of the main event matches. Yeah. I think WWE loves themselves some Drew McIntyre in chase mode. They really do. Yeah. Um, they clearly like they don't keep the belt on him for too long at one time. Like he lost the belt to Randy. Don't forget, yeah, he lost the belt to Randy Orton intermittently before winning it back uh in the middle of last year, like after winning the title. So yeah, like one title at Mania, then he lost the title to Orton. I forget exactly when, but then he won the title back from Orton and now he's dropping the belt again to Miz. So I they really like Drew in chase mode. And I think when you look at the landscape of the roster, like I mean, what do you what else are you gonna do? I mean, they've really painted themselves in a bad way with Raw. Like, to me, if, if I was riding Raw, AJ Styles would be the champion right now. I, I think that they had a good opportunity for it tonight. This is it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I, I don't know what ends up happening. I do think Drew. I don't know. Maybe Drew gets his rematch at Fastlane. I don't well, know why. I have... see Drew versus Lashley at Fastlane for some reason. I don't know. MVP, we're going to MVP and Miz made a deal. I mean, we, we didn't touch on that because there was no audio, but they show a backstage clip where, where MVP and Miz appear to be doing some dealings regarding the briefcase. So clearly this was an act that was perpetrated and propagated by, you know, the hurt business and business is booming. As some might say, Miz is the champion. You know, I'm sure he made a deal with MVP to garner Lashley services you know for this particular event whether that means 
you know, a championship opportunity for Lashley. I don't know what it means. Um, but, you know, I'm sure we'll find out on Raw. But, you know, Drew should be getting his his rematch because they're not going to Kofi him, you know, because yeah. he's because he's white. Yeah, you're right. He's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I can actually see. I can see McIntyre and Miz at Fastlane. I'm going to make a wild guess on what MVP and Miz were talking about. I think that MVP knows that the Miz would be an easier victory than Drew McIntyre. So in exchange for what Lashley did to McIntyre tonight, I bet you the Hurt Business watches the Miz's back until WrestleMania where he promises Bobby Lashley a title shot. That could be. That really could be. I think this ends with Lashley getting a title shot and the – the only way to get Lashley a title shot and make it make sense is to take the U.S. strap off of him without him taking the pin, which they executed tonight. Um, so, I mean, here we go. I mean, I'm I'm about Lashley being the WWE champion. They got to keep the mic away from him, though. Like, not he, he can't even talk. Like, don't even talk, dude. Like, right. just stand there and look menacing. Right. Don't even let Shelton talk either. <laughs> nah, I like Cedric, though. I like Ced yeah. a lot. Yeah, I mean, in, in the ring, like, I can watch her business matches all day. But, yeah, you're right. Just let MVP, let MVP do the talking if there's any talking to be done. But there shouldn't be a lot of talking to be done. Just let him be an, an animal in the ring. Let him be a monster. And, I don't know, I think Lashley versus McIntyre will be good this time around. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be. Uh, so we'll see what happens. This, this pay-per-view was fairly lackluster in my opinion uh, i think the one one of the big positives that came out of it was that this elimination chamber matches weren't the same i like i made a very intentional job to like keep track of like what was going on like between competitors at different times as far as like what happens when number one and two are in there what happens when number three or four or five or six get in there and they did do a really good job of making the chamber matches different they both went about identical in time though so i think they were paced like obviously pretty evenly but the the entering action was a lot different and the way that eliminations happened were a lot different between the matches which i appreciated um but they just did they the low point was they just failed to like capitalize on the brutality that is the elimination chamber yeah, it seems like it should have been a lot more vicious. There wasn't even any, any blood tonight. Not saying you need blood, but it, it would have been nice. No, and and they they really took a lot of the viciousness and brutality away when they put um, mats on the outside of the uh, ring. You yeah, know, they changed the whole structure. And I like, get it. I get wanted to keep people safe, but like like I said, there was just something super brutal about like the entire. Th- you know thing of it was like chains and like it hurt to hit any part of it yeah i have so. a i have a problem with the elimination chamber concept in in general not okay i guess not the concept so much as the placement as where they have it now yeah if they would have kept it like around survivor series then that would have been great because i yeah. think it debuted in the survivor series and you still have time but like i think it cheapens the entire royal rumble if the very next month you have a match where six people have a shot at what you already want a shot for, you know? Agreed. So I, the, the chamber timing, it always seems like they put it there just in case they need to move a title around before Mania. It's like a cop-out thing. So it's kind of, it kind of has lost its luster to me once I started looking at it that way. But the matches themselves are actually, they're okay to watch for the most part. Yeah. to me, To me, the elimination chamber... Uh, should never be for the title. 
I'm not a, a for the title elimination chamber kind of guy because like if you look at the statistics, like I don't know, I'd have to go back and look at this, but I'd be willing to bet that one or zero matches have had the current champion not being down to the final two competitors. Um, I, I want to say that there was, I can't remember, and I was actually just talking about this earlier tonight with my girlfriend. I, I want to say that there was one where a champion was the first one eliminated. Yes, yes. I think you're right about that. Um, I don't remember who it was. I can't remember if that was the one with Braun Strowman in it because he just like eliminated. No, I, can't, I I have to go back and look. I should have looked this up before we talked about it because I, I think about this a lot. I'm like, so in my opinion, the chamber should always be a number one contender style match. You know, if, if you're going to say your big four are your Royal Rumble, your SummerSlam, your Survivor Series and your WrestleMania, of course, you know, in the four quarters of the year, um, you know, in my opinion, move Survivor Series later in the year. You know, do SummerSlam and do your Elimination Chamber pre-SummerSlam. You know, in yeah. my opinion, you do Royal Rumble. Um, they gain their shot. You know, you go to main, you do the storyline. You go to Mania. You, I mean, you think that you would think that creative is creative enough to figure out a number one contender. You know, for the other belt between the Rumble and Mania. I mean, for the love of God, they already have to do it now because we right. don't know who the number one. We don't know who's going to be vying for the wwe championship at this point we know who's going to be vying for the other two titles and edge and conceivably adam cole baby um so i mean it, it just you're right it totally seems trivial when it's located where it's at on the calendar it's almost like a punishment to the champion like what do they do besides be a good champion to be thrust into a situation where you have a very very low chance of winning yeah, it, and and why does Roman get to just pull himself out of it? Like, I, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so Roman gets to pull himself out of it, and Miz gets to pull himself out of it, but Drew McIntyre still has to be in the match. Right. That doesn't make any sense. The Miz move actually made sense. I think I loved because, it. Yeah. Did he qualify his way in, or was that no? They they had already handpicked everybody for this, right? They had already picked uh, Miz and Kofi qualified his way in. Yeah. So Miz just uh, he's like I decline. And I made sense with money in the bank and I made all the sense of the world considering what happened tonight. Right. You know, actually, and, and, you know, I recorded, of course I recorded the raw recap before you and I are discussing, but I actually talked about that and the raw recap. I was, I actually thought Miz pulling himself out was a brilliant move. And I thought it was a great heel move. And uh, you know, it made perfect sense. It was actually the one time where like, I truly enjoyed a Miz TV in the opening segment of Monday night raw. Yeah. So yeah. Kudos otherwise to yeah congrats miz <laughs> otherwise this this pay-per-view was was pretty bad um relative to the nxt takeover that we just watched last weekend so i was really really bummed about that um but you know hats off to all the performers um you know giving it their best i mean they do what they can with the storylines that they're given but ultimately you know when i take a look at back at this card i'm like yeah, triple threat for the u.s title was uh, pretty much, you know, not a match that I was interested in. The women's tag titles was just not really great uh, within this match. And then, you know, the the Reigns Daniel Bryan match, you can hardly consider a match. The Miz McIntyre, you hardly consider a match. So when you take a look back at that, your only two real matches are the chamber matches. Yeah. And, and, and you, then why did why was this so short? I don't understand. Yeah, two and a half hours, baby. Yeah. You know, not even that. Like I said, the the in ring action didn't even get started until seven fifteen, dude. Yeah, it was two hours and fifteen minutes. It was barely longer than SmackDown. Man, I don't, I don't know if there was something up with that because I mean, even the match that got pulled out wouldn't have done that much time. I don't think they wouldn't have gotten half an hour. 
No, they probably gotten 12 to 15 minutes out of that match is my guess. I just, again, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. Both, both chamber matches went 40. I'm like, both of them could have easily gone 60. You take a look at like, why is Randy Orton getting, getting eliminated so quickly? Yeah. Where, you know? where's the goddamn fiend? Where is it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it makes you wonder, like, did something have to get pulled at the last second, like plans because somebody couldn't show up because of winter travels or what have you i don't i don't it's it's hard to say but it's really really frustrating as a fan (laughs) i will say that like i said i i i really thought they were coming off monday night raw when you know the alexa bliss stuff came up on the the thunderdome to cost cost randy orton the uh his spot uh, well his chance to enter last into the chamber i was like certainly the fiend is or at least alexa bliss is going to factor in his elimination but uh it didn't happen and wwe seems to have missed the boat on that one Shocker. Hey, yeah, who's surprised, bro? <laughs> so, well, VA, man, I appreciate you coming on, brother. I think that's all we got for the Elimination Chamber. I wish we could have gotten together on happier circumstances with a badass pay per view yeah. uh, that we had just watched. But uh, I'm sure Fastly is going to be a ripper. <laughs> <laughs> I can fast track that shit straight off my screen, dude. Um, but uh, again, thanks for taking the time to come on with me. Take a few minutes and let my listeners know where they can find you. Uh, you can find Find me on Facebook at v.a.bennett, or you can listen to my podcast, which is on a bit of a mini hiatus right now, but we'll be back real soon. It's VA Knows a Lot of People. You can find that at anchor.fm slash VA Knows People, or literally anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find it. Spotify, I know it's on there, and Apple Podcasts, things like that. Uh, on Instagram, I'm Mr. Fudang, M-I-S-T-E-R-F-O-O-D-A-N-G, and on Twitter, I'm at VA Comedy. Also, uh, sorry, I got a lot of plugs now. Um, on February 28th, uh, me and my friend Spark and Alfonso are debuting a new show concept called Rift City, in which some comics will be doing some written material and some uh, material where they're just going off the top of their head with some topics that I give them. Uh, our friend uh, Orange Zack City here is going to be a, a guest judge for that episode, so that might be worth checking out. And that will also be the debut. Uh, broadcast from my new Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash Mr. Fuda. <laughs> and I think that's all of it. <laughs> all right, man. Well, hey, it's been a pleasure, brother. Again, everybody, no if you didn't uh, hear that, you can go find him on all of his different social medias and on his podcast. That's VA knows a lot of people. Thanks a lot, VA. Take care, brother. Thanks, Zach. Freshly squeezed. All right, guys. Well, I think that about does it for us this week. Like I say always, all good things must come to an end, and that is the end of episode number 10. I'm a poet, and I didn't even know it. Well, I did know it. So anyway, I've had a blast with you guys today. I'd like to thank my buddy V.A. Bennett again for coming on. As always, the special guest pay-per-view correspondent. You can find him at all the social medias and stuff that he gave you uh, before he signed off there. As always, you can find me on the Can't Heat podcast line at 513-580-7273. Drop me a line. Talk shit. Talk shop. Uh, if you want to correct me on any info that I got wrong, you can do it right there. You can also do it on Twitter at Canned Heat Pod, Instagram's Canned Heat Podcast. And as always, you can go to www.cannedheatpodcast.com. Everything's wrapped up in a nice, neat little bow for you. You can find all the links there. The three most recent episodes will also be available online there via the SoundCloud. Um, There's just a cool little episodes tab in the top right-hand corner. At the top is the button that you can click to get all the links if you want to find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And as always, if you are listening on an Apple device, please smash five stars. 
rate, subscribe, review, unsubscribe, resubscribe, re-rate, re-review. I will always shamelessly say that. I couldn't do this without you guys. I really have a blast doing that. Thanks for sticking around for episode 10. Thanks for sticking with me through 10 weeks. It's been awesome. It's been a great learning experience and I've been having a lot of fun. Can't wait to bring the next 10 and the next 100. Who knows where this will go? As I said in the first episode, I don't want to just be the biggest podcast in the Andromeda Galaxy. I've got the Milky Way Galaxy on my brain. Until next time, Can't Heat Podcast listeners, I've been your host, the Precious Squeeze Orange Zachary. Peace out. I wish you knew what I knew. I wish you saw what I saw. I wish you felt what I felt. Best we don't get along. I wish you knew what I knew. I wish you saw what I saw. I wish you could go back to what we had, but it's gone. I wish you knew what I knew. I wish you saw what I saw. I wish you felt what I felt. Best we don't get along.